massive, massive episode today, boys. Stay tuned for another episode of Some Bases Covered. Oh, what is a what? What do you do as a forward air controller in uh, in the Gulf? <laughs> well, th this is this is interesting because I don't think the the technology is still in use. So it was a, a mule that you put on your back, and then you uh, you illuminate a target, and then after the the smart bombs came into play that could illuminate their own targets then you know they they weren't they weren't that equipment wasn't as useful so a forward air controller what they do is um they are on the ground and they're controlling traffic um from the aircraft carriers in so the the uh, the air traffic controllers on the carriers they pass on the, the control of the aircraft to the controllers who are on the ground, which is your forward air controller. Uh, and then the forward air controller is usually, with their team, they're usually illuminating a target. That was it. So it's called positional control. So we didn't, back then, we didn't actually know where the aircraft was. It was, it was positional. We gave the direction to the aircraft and hopefully they would, they would follow. And that was all with um, aviate carriers, you know, the jump jets. I don't, I don't know if they're still still in use. Oh, I'm Army. Uh, you know, my understanding of aircraft is uh, C-17 and C-130. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two, two different roles. We, we went in and got the ground ready for you to uh, set up base and, and do the rest of the work. It sounds, it sounds like you're the role that you were in, I don't, I don't even know. Um, first of all, it's hard to wrap my head around because, because Army versus Navy and Marine Corps. Um, but it sounds like your role is that, that you had is similar to the current one that we use for the Air Force uses like uh, JTACs, mm. and the Army uses forward observers. Yeah, we. But J we JTACs are more focused on like air offense, and mm. yeah, Fisters are about the same. They call in direct fire a lot of the time. Well, if, if you remember the, the roles of the different services, I mean, um, Navy and Marine Corps is, is usually to uh, infiltrate a country, set up a base, and uh, prepare for ground landing. So it, it's, it's two different roles, whereas the Army is, is there in country for a while to fulfill on, on different missions. So it's, uh, it's different applications, different strategies. What is it? What is it that had you decide to to do a twenty? Oh, to do twenty? Yeah. Uh, initially, I was like, yeah, I'll do one contract and get out. But more from um, now, after being in a while, it's just the army is kind of falling, and it needs reliable people in reliable spots. Mm -hmm. right? And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm full of it or something, but I feel like. Right now, where I'm at is really good, but I absolutely hate doing it, right? Mm -hmm. But my first first sergeant in the army and my first team leader both went war, and they're like, "Just do it, drop your packet immediately," because I, I I know I just the twenty is like the goal to do, because you know, fuck it, why not at this point? Um, it's just a question of how I want to go about doing that, and so my, my I have a couple of options like canine dog handler, um, EOD was another option, and, and uh, I'm about to take the SIF for a warrant. Um, so my packet's like 
80% complete, and then now it's just a matter of like waiting to get a ton of signatures. So, so now it's, I just want to go and do and, one. Uh, how would you say that you have evolved as a as a human being from the time that you enlist, enlisted? You know, prior just prior, you know, day one when you're in boot camp to the person that you are now. I feel like I'm a child in an adult's body now, <laughs> as opposed to a child in a child's body before then. <laughs> Because my mentality hasn't changed too much, but I've been better about keeping what is that? I guess Star Major would probably call it discipline and integrity. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I've I've flown, uh, I've settled pretty hard into the rhythm of like physical fitness and like learning and actually reading the ARs and TMs that reflect what I'm supposed to be doing. Right? Like I, I'm I've been in I've been infantry, but I've been like RTO uh, for a company. I've been uh, the in-processing NCO for an entire battalion. I've been uh, right now the uh, head armor for an entire company. So like I keep getting put in all of these admin roles that require you to read everything. And I was like, all right, screw it. I might as well get paid um, an amount that reflects that much extra work um, mm -hmm. because being a team leader is one of like the easiest jobs in the world. Um, second to just being any random rifleman. Right, rifleman just shows up wherever, whenever, and then team leader's job is to relay from squad leader and PSG like what needs to get done for the day, and then keep accountability. It's too easy. Uh, armor is like you're in charge of this entire arms room filled with like fucking twenty million dollars of equipment. Uh, in processing NCO, you're in charge of like forty soldiers in processing into your battalion at any given time, and you don't know when the next one's coming or how that's going to be coordinated, and you got to figure it out, and then. Yeah, I don't know. That just keep putting me in all these positions where it's like, hey, you have to learn this. And it's like, all right, I'm just going to go get trained on something and only do that. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> why well, not? It, well, if, if the army is anything like the other services, that that's never the case. You're, you're always, no matter what, no matter what uh, position you're in, no matter what rank you're in, you're 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 going to have multiple, multiple roles. Which is, yeah. which is a really a really amazing thing. Um, I didn't when I got out. I didn't know how valuable all of that training was and um, how it translated into the civilian world. So, um, are 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 you also neurodiverse? Neurodiverse. I'm not familiar with the term. Okay, so that would be no. <laughs> yeah, when I. Um, so I'm I'm autistic, but that was never screened for, and ah. so so there were there were all these um, challenges in communication that I wasn't aware of until I got out of the military. And now, in retrospect, I'm able to look back and reflect and and really appreciate the things that I was learning, and and in how I apply them apply them now. Uh, I was the fitness officer for one of the groups I was with, and as a result of that role, I uh, started a training and coaching company when I got out, and I was training approximately 30,000 people a year, and that was a, a direct result of, of my military training. So yeah, you're, you're in a really good position. So wait, how did that, so when it comes to autism, how did that affect you getting out? What did you do after? Well, I, I wasn't diagnosed. I didn't, I didn't know. 
um, I knew that I had communication issues and I knew I was different from everyone else. I just didn't know how or why. And I, I would just, I faked it the, the entire way. And while it was in, they, uh, you know, I had to go to the, the, the shrink and they, they said, oh, you're bipolar and, and you have depression. And I had no idea what that was. I didn't feel depressed or bipolar. I didn't know what those, what those things meant. And uh, after I got out, then um, I went and saw other practitioners who, who were more competent. And I found out, oh, okay, I'm, I, I am autistic and uh, bipolar is a, is a common uh, misdiagnosis. And, uh, I think the military does a really good job of training people for their, for their roles, for the mission, but it doesn't, it's not always effective at, after the toy is broken, they don't know how to put it back together again. And they will, most people, if, if they make it out, if they make it out of the military, um, they tend to have a lot of issues. Uh, because military life is is very, very, very different from being a civilian. And people experience trauma. Uh, but they don't know it's trauma until after they until after they get out. And so that that's something that the military doesn't historically do well with. I think the Veterans Administration is that is one of the top budgetary issues. So out of all the government departments, I think the Veterans Administration uh, has has the the largest budget. Uh, so it, it gives you insight into what's going on. And while you're in, you're not really thinking about your life afterwards. It's, it's kind of like children. Uh, when children are, are in their teens and 20s, they never they never think that, oh, this is they think they feel like they're invincible and that they're always going to be fit and they're always going to be healthy and everything's going to work out. And that is absolutely not the case. So I, I, I think that's something the military could, could do better. They, they could be more effective at doing that because there's, there's tons of research that shows, um, shows the impact of that lifestyle on people after they rotate out. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't given too much. Well, okay, I've given some thought to what I would do when I get out, but most of it's like, all right, I'm gonna have to use the GI Bill, or go back home and probably live with my parents for a little bit until I can figure um, tra properly transition. But now, but now, uh, in the past like two, three years, the army's gotten really good about transitioning soldiers out so most of my buddies that ended up getting out what which is i think i'm of my original like platoon when i first got in that didn't have mm. our lineup change for like 18 months mm. um i'm i'm one of three people left in the army every single one of them's out and i think only two of them are really struggling in any any capacity um mm -hmm. which is pretty good but i, I don't know i guess i'm in, in like one of those those weird bases where I still keep in contact with a majority of them and like we still use the old group chat and <laughs> mm. <laughs> just be like just be like random uh fucking it'd be a random Friday morning stateside and I'd be like I just put in the group chat wake up you have staff duty and then just some wacky <laughs> wacky image <laughs> yeah when when I when I was in we didn't have uh 
I think when I when we just got out, email started to become a thing. But prior to that, we would we would we had to send letters and uh, it would take sometimes three months for a letter to so we'd write a letter and three months later it might arrive at its destination. And then the people who would write to us, same thing. It would take three months to to get correspondence to us. So that was uh, I think I, I, I got out just as technology was becoming available. Well, the, the kind of instant technology that's available now. Back then, we would have to uh, go to a local place, find a, um, a calling card, find a phone that was in English, and then we would have to try to use the calling card to, to call home. And that was, uh, oh, things have, <laughs> have uh, changed quite a bit. Yeah, y'all used to actually use like CQ had a purpose at one point. <laughs> now it's just we sit behind the desk and we twiddle on our phones. We're like, are we is CQ over yet? No. Okay, so I'm gonna go take a nap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gosh, mo mobile phones weren't even they they weren't available when I was in. Yeah, Technology is wild. People people being uniform like sending like TikToks and stuff, and it's like you cannot do that. Wearing just take the patch on the uniform off real quick. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, no no identifying unit. All right, yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised by that. Seeing seeing how many people, um, how many active people are are, are doing stuff like that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's as if they've never had a security brief before. Yeah, S two S two is just rolling. You know, fuming in their office. Oh, I don't know how the Navy works. Uh, S2 for the Army is uh, you have at your battalion level a bunch of shops. You know, they're labeled S1, 2, 3, 4. Like, 1 is admin for all your finance and all that. S2 is your security. 3 is all your logistics. And 4 is your transport. 5, I don't remember what 5 is. I don't even know if there is a 5. Uh, and 6, I think, is Camo. But yeah, S2 would always bitch about anything. Like if you were, if you wanted to put in leave to go somewhere, I don't know if yeah. how this worked for you in the Navy, but in the Army, if you want to go somewhere for uh, for leave and it's like a considered a hot spot or a uh, uh, at risk location to go to leave, S2 will you'll get flagged and S2 will get in contact with you and be like, here's this packet, you have to fill it out, or they'll just straight up deny it, um, depending on how contentious. Like, oh, I'm putting in leave for North Korea. Excuse me, you're flagged. You're now. <laughs> yeah, I was. How, how I did was... that work in the in the Navy for leave and pass back without phones? Well, I I, uh, I was a little bit different. I ignored all that because I rarely, wherever we went, I rarely um, engaged. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I, I wasn't a drinker. I didn't smoke. I didn't uh, uh, party. I didn't. Uh, engage with with the locals um, I tend tended to stay aboard read my manuals um, clean uh, clean guns and and um, knives anything that I, I needed to be operationally ready and and that that was that was my thing I was um, uh, that should have been a key that should be a should have been an indicator to me that I was autistic um, but I didn't know what autism was back then so you were like hyper focused yeah Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Well, still am. Uh, it's just now I have a language for it. Ah, so so what do you do now? Now that you've been out for however, uh, was it 20 years you said? Yeah. Um, well, now, uh, well, I've, I've done several things. I had the training and coaching 
company and now um, I'm back in university and I'm doing a, a counseling qualification and then I'll be doing psychology and um, clinical exercise science. And I'm using all of those things to support the neurodiverse community in organizing bespoke holistic treatment protocols. And so the way that looks is a client comes and they say, here's uh, some of the issues that I might have with, that they may have with, uh, with, with executive function, if they're ADHD and autistic and so on and so forth. And uh, rather than say, oh, we're going to give you X, Y, and Z for each one of these symptoms, we look at the person as, as a whole person and we look at the core. And the core is usually a story. Um, neurodiversity in itself is, is not a disability, it's not a disease, it's just a, a difference in the way that people think. And so I've, I've, been, I've been curious about that for, for many years and I've, I've been working in the field and now I'm uh, uh, just getting the degree. I've also been working with, with veterans in this country, in Australia, uh, but Australian veterans, they have a different operational tempo and culture to the U.S. The U.S. Um, has a higher operational tempo. Uh, it's, it's more organized um, and it's a lot more serious. The differences in language um, and the way they, the way they think is, 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 it's very different. What's the same though, is that Australian culture is um, really laid back. They, they don't really make a fuss about anything. And when they go into the military, um, that's quite regimented for them. So they do experience some trauma rotating back into civilian life because uh, civilians are, are just not, they're not that way. They're, they're basically asleep compared to being in the military. So I, I've had the privilege of working with um, veterans uh, in, in counseling capacities, um, uh, as well as doing well-being thing, well type things um, uh, with psychosocial modalities. So it's, it's, it, it's, it's my, my life has been rewarding since I got out. I've, I've expanded significantly. So, um... When you say when you say holistic treatment protocols, you're talking about treating the whole person as taking everything into account that you possibly can, right? But well, in, yeah, in what sense yeah. are they coming to you? Well, it's 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 an upstream approach. Uh, for instance, if uh, sometimes uh, in a clinical setting, a patient will go to a health practitioner and they'll say, "I have a rash," and then the practitioner, because they only have 15 minutes with that with that patient, they'll say, "Okay, here's a cream." If they take an upstream approach, a holistic approach, they're going to inquire about their diet. They might inquire about their lifestyle. Uh, how is it at home? Um, what are the conditions at home? What, what, are you, what are your living circumstances? Do you live with other people? Um, are other people also experiencing this rash? All of those types of things. And so rather than looking at the symptoms, taking a holistic approach is, is taking the the whole human being as as a system rather than a symptom and so uh the treatment goes to the cause 
rather than a symptom. For instance, uh, what if a woman uh, who was pregnant went to a doctor and the woman said, hey, I can't lose weight. And the doctor says, you're fat. Stop eating so many chips or Snickers or whatever. Um, that That's an example of what happens when practitioners are only looking at the symptoms, not at the cause. And this is this is something that's pervasive pervasive throughout the Western uh, medical system. I don't know about you, but um, some of the guys, um, <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, we used to train and train and train and train and train and train. And uh, there's this one guy we, we were being fired on and he just started screaming for his mother. Um, that didn't work out for him. He couldn't, he couldn't, the training wasn't embedded in such a way and he was experiencing trauma in such a way that, that it didn't work for him. And when you look at, when you look at what's possible for human beings, we are not all one thing. And the military takes a group of people, strips away their, um, their identity and gives them a new identity, which is a, a collective. And it, it, it says, okay, the way you think and the way you feel is, is now going to be governed by the chain of command. And when I say these things, I'm not saying it like it's a problem. It's, it's necessary for that, for that entity, for it to, for it to be able to function. But once you get out and you no longer have a mission, you no longer have a chain of command, it's just you. The compartmentalization that worked while in the military uh, doesn't work um, when you get out because it's you that's creating all the missions. And if you don't have, if you're not uh, able to self-reflect and self-reflection is the ability to go inside and to understand what are your thoughts? What are what are what are uh, ideas that have been given to you? And to be able to discern, do those things match with your with your values? So that's that's absolutely not a skill that's taught to people in the military, and they don't really need that skill because that's not part of their job. But as I said before, when you get out, it's it's important to be able to discern these things. And when health situations come up, it's really important to, to have practitioners take a holistic approach. When I, when I got out, I had no idea what was going on with me mentally. And they, they said, oh, you have a CPTSD and you got uh, bipolar and you're depressed and you're this and that. And I said, what, what, what? I don't know what any of those things mean. <laughs> I, was, I was just angry. And it took seeing multiple, I'd say more than 20 different practitioners before I was able to determine a pattern and figure out what was going on for myself. And then, then I knew what questions to ask, uh, what to say, what to share. And, and, uh, I finally got the support that I needed. Um, but there's a lot of guys, there's a lot of people who, who never get the support that they need because they don't, they don't know how to put it in. They don't know how to put it into language. Holistic care is, 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 yeah, I, I think it's essential. Um, it's just not, it's not a, a normal thing for health. So stone, is it, is that, is that your first name, last name? Oh, it's my, that's the name I use online that I've been using for years. All oh, right, right, right. Okay. Well stone, that's, 
That's my actual name. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's 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 uh, it's fantastic to be able to to speak with someone who's active. Well, I wanted to bring Same. up a couple of things. So when you're talking about the compartmentalization, it makes me realize that maybe I don't know how it went for how it goes throughout like all of the military. I can only really speak firsthand and secondhand for what I've gone through and what I've seen happen to others. Mm. So in in terms of the the rigorous like uh, stripping of individuality, I can understand that to some extent. But the way it's worked for me in the military is I guess I'll start with, like day zero, right? Day zero, I get to my unit. Team leader is assigned to me. I'm like, you're. I'm in this platoon. You're going to be this role from now on. This is what you're going to do. And then my team leader pulls me to the side and he's like, hey, man, hey, dude, man to man, right? I'm going to set you up in a way that I think will work out best for you in the military because I'm about to uh, re enlist and put in my warrant packet. <laughs> that, that was day one. <laughs> so as you can see, you know, six years later, I, I'm looking to put in my warrant packet, <laughs> trying to set other people up. But uh, yeah, he taught me how to use a digital calendar. And he taught me how to utilize every single military website that you need to be aware of in order to stay quote unquote mission ready, right? So MedBros, uh, iPerms, all the um, trackers that store your military documents, how to maintain proper documentation. He taught me how to do all that. And he's like, all right, cool. Now all you gotta do is you just gotta use this calendar app, right? The default fucking iPhone app and you punch in all the dates, cool. All right, and you just remember, oh, hey, after you do it, log, all right, hey, Siri, remind me one year, yada, yada, yada cool and then you just keep doing that keep doing that keep doing that and then you and he's like all right cool now just spread this info to as many people as you can and then you won't even have to worry about them coming up red on med pros because you'll only have to fuck up the dudes that don't do it and you'll know you told them because you're going to tell yourself on the app to remind them it was the easiest thing in the world um yeah but uh it also taught me another side of, a side of things is when it comes to being a soldier on deployment you have to be able to, or like at a training event or at work, you have to be able to turn it off and you have to be able, you have to be able to turn it on when you go to work and you need to be able to turn it off and actually relax and recover and be an actual human being when you're not at work. Um, and the way he like enforced that would be like, we, we, we just like hang out and bullshit. Um, every once in a while he'd be like, well, well we can't, and no one can see us hanging out like this, yada, yada. It's going to be a fraternization, whatever. But he, I don't know. I looked up to that man because he set me up for success. But uh, it's also very funny because the army is considered to be a massive place, but at the same time, it's kind of an onomatopoeia or I don't know, inverted. Uh, it's if you're in the infantry, it's a small infantry. If you're in the airborne community, it's a small airborne community. If you're tabbed, that's an, that's like even smaller. Um, and so, like, I think if you take on the average odds, there's like 50,000 airborne qualified people in the uh. United States Army that are actually active duty. It's mm. not a lot, but it's a sizable enough to, I guess, jump into the middle. But um, yeah, um, I just want to talk briefly on it. So Bragg, um, and is in uh, Fort, yeah. Oh no, sorry, it's called Fort Liberty now. Sorry, in uh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, that was my first duty station. I'm currently at my second duty station, um, which is uh, Del Den in Vicenza, Italy underneath the 173rd so 82nd and 173rd that's my military uh gripes and the two units are so up polar opposites of each other it's it's amazing that they are still both airborne um the first one brag um the way i like to describe how it feels to be a soldier stationed there is it feels 
as though it is 100% NCO led, right? Every time you get told about something, you know everything. You know task, condition, standards, time, location, uniform, what's going to happen when you get there, what's available to you when you're there, how it's going to go when you're there. Like you're going to go there, this location, this time, in this uniform, you're going to bring this with you and you're going to link in with this man. And he's going to take accountability of you. And once he's taking accountability of you, you're going to do this layout. And then you're going to stand around for about 30 minutes waiting for whoever to come sign off. And then he's going to delay that over and over and over again. And then when he finally shows up, he's going to tell you to relay it out a different way and then come back four hours later. And then you're going to, he's going to say out tomorrow. <laughs> so just, just for the, just for the listeners that don't know what a non-commissioned officer is, uh, NCO, uh, just describe what that, what that distinction is. The backbone of the army so our military structure is actually quite simple um you have a rank structure it goes one through nine um one through four is essentially your what we refer or well actually yeah what referred to as the lower enlisted i think now five is technically considered into that um and that's basically your team sized element right Every, the way everything in the in the army works is everything is kind of built in little blocks and uh like a giant pyramid so at the bottom blocks you have all the privates and specialists that are you know your riflemen your gunners or whatever right they're members of the team and then you have the fire team leaders right one's block above them all right those are usually e corporals or e5s and yeah i've never seen a staff sergeant as a team leader if that's happening that staff sergeant messed up um, then above about two of those, right? So to make your squads, right? So you have your team, NCO in charge of like four dudes, and then two teams, right? So two NCOs and eight dudes, all underneath one squad leader who is usually a staff sergeant, or in some cases, still just a regular sergeant. Right. And then so above NCO, them. So an NCO for, for our audience is uh, um, 04 and above. Uh, and that's that's someone who's who's been in an adequate amount of time to be able to to lead and to be able to provide people with the content that they need to be effective in their roles. Is that is that correct? Yeah, they train soldiers. That's the SEO's like okay, job. Great. Like you, your job is to train. Okay, fantastic. So so continue. So you're talking about the the distinction between brag and where you are right now. All right. Yeah. So brag, very very structured. Um, place um yeah and that's what i that's what you like about it and that's also what you hate about it. it's like you're always tracking what's going on but you hate that you're micromanaged into oblivion um here i get to italy and it's like it's completely opposite all the officers are tracking what's going on but they don't disseminate to their ncos so the ncos can't do their job what ends up happening is um essentially if you have any rhyme or reason or like merit to you like understanding of how to get shit done uh, this is a place like the 173rd is a place you will excel because everyone is given like a mile long rope and you can do two things with it. One, you can excel, you can run off and just go and like complete everything, right? Or you can fall 100 meters down and just hang yourself. <laughs> right. So you have a lot more. Because you're autonomy. not getting, yeah, you have a lot more autonomy here. And uh, I guess that's, that, that's the great side of it. The downside, nobody knows what's going on. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Mm. And and well, I, I think because of the autonomy, it sounds it sounds that that has created an environment for you to be able to put in your warrant package. Would that would that be accurate? Uh, no, actually, the warrant packet requires so many signatures by chain of command that it's actually yeah. one of those processes that I would consider structured. 
Mm. Like you can't do you you have to do step A, B, and C and gather all these documents. Then you have to present it to your leadership, get them to sign this form, take that mm. form and all preceding documents and go do this, then you know, take all those documents, do this, take all those documents, do this. And it just compounds, compounds, compounds. It's very checks and balancey. Yeah. It sounds like a collect a collective effort. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I will say, uh, 173rd I'm, I'm about to uh, extend from um, so that instead of me having to pcs again i just stay here till the end of my current contract and then that way it gives me time to complete the packet and submit it and then re-enlist and then go to do the warrant officer or how i didn't really look into what i need to do on that end but that might be one of the things that i end up having to do mm, that's fantastic it's 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 good that you've you've decided to stay in with an eye on uh the way you're going to contribute uh, and um, just remember, it will not last forever. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've been doing on the side is my mom was big on being like, you need to think about how you're going to save for your future. And I was like, mom, I'm, the, I'm living in the now. And then after a couple years of that um, in high school, I started to like, you know, you always see that one video about compounding interest and savings. It's like this guy saved one dollar a day. This guy saved a hundred dollars a day. But at this age later, right? And I was like, huh, that seems like a really good idea. So ever since I've been in, I've been throwing thirty percent of what I make into savings. Um, oh, sorry, into the the the, the TSP, I believe it's called. Um, so I I've already almost maxed it. Um, yeah, so. I just need to like I could stop putting money into it and then just write out the rest of my contract and then finish out the 20 years if I if that happens I just have to work 10 years after and then I'm good yeah. so when I being, before I, I did something similar um, because we, we were you know we we were uh, receiving combat pay uh, which which wasn't taxed, and um, I I had saved so much to where I was able to buy a house when I was 23, and that was <laughs> that was well before before <laughs> I, I pay be great. Uh, yeah, you're 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 in a really you're in a really good position, and I'm looking forward to when we can when we can talk again and we can hear more about your your adventures. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see if uh, this stuff in the stuff in Libya pops off or not. Yeah, well, we'll 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 keep we'll keep the conversation non-classified. Oh no, it's it's fine, opsec. I I can talk about what's going on. I just can't say when, like, troops. Yeah, exactly. Trans. Yeah, yeah. I I was I, I that was. No, no. I have experience at this. I'm good. I'm am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would. There would there would be no disclosures on on this program. <laughs> All right, great. Uh, Stone. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we will convene very soon in the future. All right, Stone, you have a good one. All right, then. That's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, then don't forget to click that follow button.